Welcome back to special presentation with Mike and Ethan or Alf will not be seen tonight. We are on part two, totally two of Annie, which is the 1982 movie that won two Golden Globes. Actually, I don't know if it may win any Golden Globes. Oh, two Academy Awards. And ah. and they tried to make an Annie 2 and it wasn't popular. Annie 2, huh? Uh, there were a lot of attempts to make sequels to this movie. There was one called Annie 2. Oh, no, not the musical, not the movie, the, the Broadway musical they were trying to make a sequel to, which seems weird to me that any Broadway musical would have a sequel. It doesn't seem like the right, uh, the right thing for it, because, you know, since you're performing it new live on stage every night, it's like, you know, isn't it, doesn't it, isn't it a different experience if you see a different production with different people? Yeah, huh? I mean, well, I'm curious what they would have the plot of the sequel be. Um, this, yeah, there was this... one called Annie Two, and there was another one called Annie Warbucks. And hmm. let's see. And then there's film and television. Oh yeah, second novelizations, recordings. Blah 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 blah. Come on, I thought you know some t- way too much of our uh, podcast was made up of us uh, scrolling through Wikipedia, isn't it? Well, you know, that's what the kids really want to hear. Yeah, they want to hear us going, bah, 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 bah. What's, where's the where's the thing that I am looking for? Uh, eh, yeah. Oh, yes. Eh, well, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I, well, I do remember those. And I remember seeing uh, local ads for local productions of both of those with uh, some some local college girl wearing a, 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 a red afro. So. No. All right. Yeah. Um, well, the important thing is we promised some Punjab. Yes, so let's it talk is about time Punjab. for Punjab. So Punjab, uh, we mentioned him uh, in our last episode. He's a eight foot tall native of India in the original comic strip. And in Annie, the movie, he is, I don't know if he's eight feet tall, but he's, he's, a, he's a big dude, you know, he's yeah. a big guy. He's... um. Dressed Depends well. where in India you said. I, I just, he just looks like he looks like an African American to me, but you know, you know, he might I, be from India. Um, yes, look, you know what? I I assumed that as well that uh, the actor was just African American, but um, you know what? Um, I guess we could probably actually look up the, Jeffrey um, Holder. He is he was from Trinidad, huh. So Which he's is, Caribbean. The Caribbean. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And um, in 1975, he won two Tony Awards for direction and costume design of The Wiz. So, oh. wow, he was slumming it in Annie. 
Yeah. So is he usually, is he more of a behind the scenes uh, guy? Does he do directing or is he usually an actor? Uh, looks like both. Looks like he's a, uh, uh, a regular. Oh, yes. And he has a familiar voice to anyone who listened to the radio in the 80s and that he was the guy who's who uh, talked about 7-Up as being the Uncola. These are Uncola oh. nuts. Wow. You know, that's the thing. I, I gotta say, this Annie movie, I won't say that it's got amazing like star power uh, because I don't know how big a star any of these people actually were, but it's got like some real talent. Like, yeah. They got really good actors for this thing every actor really just is, yeah. is almost perfectly cast and um yeah i mean uh uh wasn't it jeffrey holder yes jeffrey um, holder who was oh yes and he was the voice of the narrator who turned out to be an oompa loompa from tim burton's charlie and the chocolate factory oh huh no kidding all right that's interesting he does that that is interesting because he has i believe one line in this movie yeah um, which is kind of now that I know that he's got such a distinctive voice, it's kind of uh, disappointing that they made him a silent character. Yeah, I wonder if they recorded versions where he had more lines and were because that's the thing is that uh, we get some Punjab, not very much, and almost none of the Asp. Yeah, uh, the Asp basically is dancing in a few scenes, uh, but I think at one point they actually mention him by name. Yeah, they mentioned him uh, by name as he's driving away unseen in the car because he's the chauffeur. So, right. so it's kind of a Green Hornet and Cato situation. Yes. Now, um, I guess it's, this is, I think we've discussed uh, the interesting thing about ra racism in movies throughout the 80s where, uh, yes. where gradually Hollywood is kind of figuring out that like, look, we have to not be racist against certain demographics because they are kind of achieving like a uh, market share. So we, we only are going to be racist against people that we think are, you know, uh, demographics that are too small to matter. And, you know, the eighties, that's why you start, you stop seeing a lot of, um, uh, or I should say, you know, stop seeing a lot. You see fewer stereotypical uh, representations of black people than you had previously. Yeah. And then Asians or East Asians, and eventually uh, Latinos. Um, but so in 1982, I feel like they were like, "Look, okay, we, we can we can dress Punjab up in this kind of you know this white uh, cost this white kind of um, costume with a turban. He looks like he's from the Raj or something. Yeah. But uh, but the asp do not put him in a coolie hat. We we can't do that anymore. We got to make him look. Uh, presentable so just put him in a, like a tuxedo does he normally wear that the the uh, i don't know how he the conical looks. straw hat or... i'm actually not sure how he dresses but I, I just feel like they were like you know they were like look we we, we can't we can't we, we have to like make him look a little less um you know hmm. a, a little less here's an old oh, oh. i found some <laughs> old uh, images of annie and her friends and uh uh the asp he looks more like the Submariner than anything else. He's just uh, really? he's just an Asian guy with slightly pointed ears who is uh, who's wearing a tux. Ah, well, obviously what has happened is that he got his head caught in the automatic rice picker. But luckily, there's a nearby plastic surgeon and 
I'm for those automatic of you who rice are, picker. <laughs> okay, for those of you at home, I'm doing a bit from the classic Star Trek episode, "The City on the Edge of Forever," where. Uh, Captain Kirk is trying to explain to a 1930s policeman, because I've gone back in time, what the deal is with Mr. Spock. And ah. uh, Captain Kirk is like, well, as obviously you can see my friend is uh, Chinese. You, you've noticed the ears. Well, what happened was he got his head caught in the automatic rice picking machine. Um, wow. Okay, yes. thank you for explaining, because I was going to be like, why are you going on this without we're going to have to cut it was like oh oh captain <laughs> say, oh captain like, kirk said it that's even different. more racist than usual <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no that is from from star trek and i'm, I'm sure when harlan ellison is like yeah that's right that's brilliant baby ah don't touch a single one of my brilliant words I don't know why I make Har- think Harlan Ellison talks like, like like a New York cab driver. Now, as I understand it, he's he sounds like uh, more like Jason Alexander than anything else. That that scans actually. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of how. Yeah, yeah. Hey, he's, he's let little... me tell you how much I have come to hate you. <laughs> he's the world's angriest dwarf, so it kind of you know makes sense. Um. Anyway, so uh, what was you saying about? Uh, oh yeah, uh, the asp. asp. Yeah, he's yeah he is not uh, designed all that. He does not seem to be designed specifically, you know, to evoke racist sentiments in the comic strip. Not as much as Punjab is. Uh, how does Punjab look in the strip? Uh, almost exactly like he does on the in the uh, in the movie. And okay. So yeah, it's. Yeah, he's got the he's got the turban and the big white outfit and everything. And now, actually, maybe I'm not looking at. Uh... Oh yeah, I am. Okay, I was worried that the uh, that the version of the asp I was looking at was a more recent one from uh, 2014, which it was, but it doesn't look like they changed him very much at all in the. Uh, hmm. Interesting. In the intervening um... years. I guess the question is so so in this in the movie the asp doesn't seem to be much of a, a racist caricature although he does teach Annie karate because he is Asian. Um, he, yeah, he but, teaches Annie karate, and when he does his dance, you get that uh, the Oriental riff. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Um, but yeah, because we were watching it, it was like when it starts going, we're like, oh, that guy must be Asian. <laughs> yeah. <Please. laughs> We didn't. We couldn't tell because you know he was jumping around, so the the screen was mostly just his crotch. But like when you heard the music, we we're like, "Well, that's an Asian." Uh, but yeah, but this, I guess the question is, uh, sorry, this movie's just crotches. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's give the kids what they want. Um, <laughs> so so Punjab though, Punjab is a little a little more problematic. I feel. Yeah, um, he's. I mean, he has more lines. He has more time in the movie altogether, but he has magic powers. What is this? That's right. I mean, because that's the thing is like, I feel like, you know, the way he's dressed is like, well, you know, okay, not necessarily. I mean, it's not. I mean, maybe it's a it's a little stereotypical to have an Indian guy dressed like that. But I mean, it's not like racist, I don't think. But, um, but yeah, the whole thing where he's like, oh, he can wave his hands and snake charmer music happens and yeah. then various magical things happen. It's like, that's a little, that's, that's a little less kosher. Yeah. Know? He's, he has, 
he has racist traits that are not necessarily for his own race. Yeah. He um got one when he appears just to I guess to the best way to describe is if if anyone's seen the Venture Brothers, he pretty much dresses like Mandalay. <laughs> um, and that's kind of and it's he's kind of doing the same bit because he's like the strong silent type servant, you know. And um, if you haven't seen that, but you remember uh Batman the Animated Series, you can just imagine Punjab throwing you to the ground and saying, Infidel. Yes. Yeah, you know what? He, the only thing what he doesn't have, he just doesn't have like a. Does he have a big old scimitar? I don't remember him having I, one. But I, feel I like don't think he has a big scimitar, or at least uh, Punjab doesn't. I don't remember about the guy from Batman. <laughs> yeah, I just like I feel he's he's um he's he's dressed like he's kind of dressed like that giant Turk that Bob the Angry Flyer wishes for. <laughs> Paul Donut Baxter. <laughs> that guy, yes. Thank you. Yeah, just call me Paul. <laughs> Yeah, Paul Donut Baxter as as Punjab. Uh, yes. Um, so yeah, they've they've got mixed. They've mixed up India, uh, Africa, and Turkey. And and he has magic powers. Um, he he he's able to put Sandy to sleep, which because um, he does like he uh, the music that plays when he does that sounds like the the snake charmer music or you know the Arabian riff. So yeah. we just assumed like, oh, okay, because he's uh, that's kind of, and that was the thing is when we were watching this, my my wife was all like, isn't that more of like a that's more of a Middle Eastern uh, Egyptian stereotype than an Indian one? And it was like, I guess I mean I'm really sure where snake charming is associated with. I think in the Western mind we just associate with like literally everywhere in Asia Minor. So you know I don't know if how I don't know how if you could say a stereotype that it i don't know if you could say that this is inaccurate to the stereotype because it is just a stereotype yeah. rather yeah. than a real a ster- thing yeah you know? a stereotype is you know you're you can be defying it but you have to know it in the first place yes um and then he's got other powers like he can make a little toy plane fly around in circles yeah what was going on there he has like I think it's part of his levitation bit, but uh, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, he can do levitation, like, um, and he can put dogs to sleep. <laughs> yeah, so you know he's got the whole roster of powers. Uh, yeah, so he's basically an X Men, um, and um, that's pretty much. He doesn't really do a whole lot in the movie. He's kind of like there, you know. Um, he's there, and he, he helps at the very end, but uh, not in the way I was expecting. But yeah, yeah, because he does show up in the end for the grand finale. Otherwise, he's kind of um, he he's um, yeah, he's a presence in this movie. And I'll say this: I feel like again, we're talking about the actors in this being mm-hmm. really good. Um, Jeffrey uh, Holder, he he's got like no lines in this movie, but he he actually, I feel like he's a very warm presence in this film. Yes, you know yeah, I, mean? I mean he's, you know, he's initially imposing that's how everyone reacts somebody usually faints when they see him but uh for, but he is a you know he is a comforting presence once you know him yeah and i mean i think that really just you know speaks to the ability of the actor because he has to communicate that all through expression and body language since he yeah. has no actual lines um but so yeah so uh more more very well done good job um and uh anyway so So now that we've introduced the entire uh family from uh 
at uh, the Warbucks's place, and Daddy Warbucks finally gets to meet uh, Annie after he notices the smell of wet dog in the air because uh, Sandy was just getting a bath, and he looks at he takes one look at her and says, "I asked for a boy." And his uh, what is her name? The the his personal assistant uh, Grace. Yeah. Grace is yeah. her name, and she's the one who's she said, "No, you said an orphan." He said, "Well, orphans are boys." Like, what do you think there was a feminine form of orphan? I didn't ask for an orphanette, but well, yeah, uh, it's it's uh, orphant. <laughs> oh, you're right, like little orphant original... Annie. Yeah, <laughs> so that's the confusion. Um, but, yeah, um, you know what? That poem was really confusing to me as a child because I didn't know which had come first, and. So I was like, okay, is there going to be a scene in this comic strip where she warns us that the gobble-uns will get you if you don't watch out? Yeah, they cut out all the good shit. <laughs> That's what the sequel should have been about. Her fight goblins. The goblins. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, <clears throat> uh, yeah, again, but uh, Albert Finney does a really good job because, you know, again, he's being initially gruff, but... Uh, Annie is kind of like, well, can't you just hang me up in your bathroom like that painting? And he's like, fine, whatever, Meh. you know. And I, um, I don't know. This is kind of the place where I realize I don't really like Annie herself. Uh, oh, this, really? Yeah, this is because she gives the whole spiel to, to Warbucks about, no, I've had enough fun for a lifetime here. Thanks for hosting me. I hope you're. I hope the kid you pick and pick uh, enjoys it as much as I did. And it's just like. Oh, you're just laying it all way too thick and you know it. You're a manipulator. She's uh she's she's doing that like that that very that she's she's very um precious. Yeah. And uh, it just it I didn't buy it. I I felt like I Annie felt fake to me in a lot of places. Well, I yeah, no, I mean I agree. I think that's a problem with the the character in this was written just you know, she doesn't really have one. She kind of changes with the scene. Because she, I like her when she's like beating up bullies. I like her when she's like starting fights with other orphans. I like her when she's like, mm -hmm. you know, kind of comforting the little baby orphans. But when she's like doing the adorable Moppet thing, it's like, is this a different character? It, it doesn't feel like someone who, because I, I feel, you know, the, her life in the orphanage seems to have, uh, they're trying to make her as kind of a scrapper, you know, but now she's, now suddenly she's got like the charms of a, of a darling little uh, yeah she's uh, little she got a little bit too Shirley Temple around here yeah, and yeah. I kind of and I wonder how much of this can be ascribed to the fact that being an orphan and being you know pos you know just one angry orphan master away from being a street person she's just you know she does what she can to survive so this is you know learning how to manipulate adults learning how to you know hoard food that kind of thing you know, I feel like yeah. this was a this was a hook they could have put on her was that, you know, they could have made it part of her her interaction with Warbucks where he'd be like, well, who are you really? I mean, I've I never feel like I've getting the real you because you're always putting on a new personality in order to protect yourself. And yeah, you know, <laughs> and, but instead they, they could have like, cause that would have been a good thing to do in this movie, but instead they decided, no, no, let's devote like uh, 45 minutes of screen time to a song about the movies. And yeah. Oh God, and, I hate the song. 
And you know, that is, this is the thing is like, cause I mean, the main problem with this film is just the fact that, uh, Annie goes to stay with daddy Warbucks. Daddy Warbucks is like, I don't want a girl orphan. Fine. I guess you can stay here. And then immediately is like, we love Annie. Oh, we love her so much. Yeah. It's I, like, again, I really feel like they must've cut a lot out because we get almost no, you know, we get, we get almost no, uh, changeover from the gruff version of him to the version of him that likes her. He, he goes from being, uh, you know, she can stay for a week to how do I tell her how much she loves her and, uh, have her believe me? Yeah, seriously. Um, and that's kind of, I feel like that's kind of the emotional core of this movie is, or was supposed to be. And they just were like, no, no, just, we'll, we'll have them go to the movies together. And everyone will, the audience will figure it out. Um, uh... Uh, I mean, okay, but yeah. Oh, but this, uh, during her first night there, uh, she and Sandy sneak out and happen to, uh, oversee, uh, Mr. Warbucks, uh, conducting, uh, business, talking to the president over the phone. And that's when the black spy from Mad Magazine shows up. Oh, uh, I love, I love this guy. This is the, with his, uh, his giant, like, cartoon bomb. <laughs> <laughs> With the, the, the big round thing with the sparkly fuse. Oh, I love it. Um, Freaking Boris Badenov. <laughs> yeah, and it was funny because this happens, right? Like, you see that guy and they, you see them, like, you know, at, like, after they after Punjab, like, tosses the bomb. Because, yeah, this dude throws a bomb in through the window and uh, Punjab grabs it, does a twirl and throws it back out. And I think Punjab is the one who grabs the, the dude, right? Yeah, and they're dragging him in, and he's Sig Heiling? Yeah, okay, so that's the... So, okay, thank you, I'm glad you saw that too, because basically, like, grab him, right, and they pull him in, and he's this kind of, this scrawny, like, guy with these glasses and a giant uh, birdwatcher beard, and as soon as they bring him in, I just turned to, to my wife and was like, okay who is this Jewish anarchist that they just caught? <laughs> and they're, they're, yeah, he does Sig Heil, right. As he's marching out and they start talking and my wife started talking. I was like, no, I need, shut up. I need you to shut up. I need to know who this guy is. What the fuck is happening? <laughs> I can't miss what's happening. And they, they explain it's the Bolsheviks. The Bolsheviks. <laughs> yeah. Not the communists, the Bolsheviks. And apparently they are frequently trying to assassinate Daddy Warbucks because he is such an epitome of American success and proof of the superiority of capitalism that he completely destroys, you know, all their claims to legitimacy. So they must kill him. And this is in <laughs> 1932. World War II hasn't even happened yet. I, I, I was, the funny thing is like, I was like, when we were watching this, it was this, this, okay. So first of all, I'm sorry. Um, first of all, it was kind of like, oh no, the daddy Warbucks is proof that, you know, the, uh, America, the superior of capitalism and, and the America and all that. Well, you know, Bullfish, you don't need to assassinate him, assassinate him, you know, maybe wait a few months for black Tuesday to hit and, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll see the, the, the superiority of American capitalism will, uh, no longer be an issue. Um, that, that, but yeah, that whole thing was just kind of like so crazy to see. It's like, I, I love it because it's, I mean, it's obviously kind of a tongue in cheek joke, but 
I feel like the people who make the movie don't have the the depths of of cynicism to make it the um the amazing joke that it really is. <laughs> I just it's just okay. It's so weird. I I can't. Uh, uh, it, but, it is really weird, especially because I mean it doesn't need to be in the movie at all. I mean, ostensibly it's because Sandy is the one barking at the, uh, at the terrorist. You know, he knows that there's somebody out there and everyone is ignoring Sandy and the bomb gets thrown inside anyway. And Punjab wings it back. And so it's like, you know, if Punjab had been there, you know, you know, I guess that was what Sandy's Sandy's role was, was to bring Punjab into the room. Because the dog was barking. So that way you could be in the room to grab the bomb and throw it back and catch the terrorists. And... I mean, Sandy was in the original comic, so I guess they had to have him, you know? Mm. I always wondered, how did they do Sandy in the musical? Did they have a guy in a dog suit? Or did they oh, use a geez. real dog? I have no... I don't know. That's a good question. That's that's um, something that you run into a lot on Broadway is the trouble of uh, working with animals. I mean, I think I'm, I've yeah. I've mentioned to you that uh, the 1902 Wizard of Oz play, there was no Toto in it. They had they couldn't have anyone dress up as a small dog, so Dorothy has a cow named Imogene. Was it a real cow or like a It was a somebody in a cow. Yeah, it was a pantomime horse cow. So. Oh, okay, gotcha. All right. Um man, the uh, also this um okay. Uh, well, I just completely lost my train of thought because I'm so I'm so taken by this Bolshevik guy <laughs> who who does sing Heil. So it's like, what what is up with that? What what is going on? Um, yeah. So it I feel like they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. We made him look Jewish, but then he sing Heil, and then we say he's a commie. So was it the usual? He, anyone. The, well, you know what? I mean, when you think about it, uh, the the Nazis were national socialists, and that has the word socialism in it. So, uh, check and mate. Just, I'm just owned you with facts and logic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ben Shapiro apparently watches movie, and he's like, "Now I understand international politics." Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah. Um, it's very weird. I, I I just assume that like it's the usual American thing where they're like, well, clearly all uh, political ideologies that we don't like uh, that are bad, they're all the same, right? I mean, uh, Nazis, Bolsheviks, same thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, get rid of this commie Nazi. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, also it's funny because at, with the, between that and um, the Daddy Warbucks portrayal as the compassionate Republican. Uh, my wife was all like, is this movie like a, a psyop by the Reagan administration? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it's pretty, it's, I, I, I thought it was going to go a lot easier on Republicans than it did. I thought it was pure Reagan, but, uh, maybe they, there's a little bit of nudge there here and there more than I expected at least. Yeah. In some weird ways. Um, but anyway, um, so that happens. Um, oh, and then I think. Then comes the movie sequence. The movie. So they go to the movies. They see a movie. Yeah, it's they see a, the movie a, and it takes forever. And they show almost, you know, 
almost every relevant part of some totally different movie in the middle of our movie. I was wondering um, if that was just some old movie that, you know, the studio happened to own, so they shoved it in, or is that, like, made specifically for this movie? Uh, I, I I guess it had Cary Grant in it. I, <laughs> oh, okay, then I guess it was old, yeah. Um, yeah, and it didn't really have any relevance, because I thought, like, oh, maybe this will, later on, like, you know, Annie will recreate some scene in this in the grand finale to save herself. But no, it doesn't really. Nothing really no. comes of what, it. What I want to know is, you've got this whole song about how great the movies are. Was this in the stage musical? You'd think that the Broadway, there would be a song about movies can't compete with the legitimate theater. Ba-da-da-da. <laughs> Maybe they're all like, look, we know there's going to be a movie eventually, so we got to, like, sell it. <laughs> and, and then, then there's the, movie the live like, dancing girls before the movie. Yeah, you know what? I got to say, uh, the, um, the, move, the the cinema had a lot more uh, theatricality in those days. Yeah. Also, uh, and the, the weird dance number they do where they come out of the lighted neon movie camera. And they're all wearing gears. Are, are these girls supposed to be like camera components that come to life and dance for you? What, what is the theme here? Yeah, they're doing it's um you know what moe anthropomorphism, I guess. <laughs> oh yeah, like that, uh, like how when they when they debuted a new Prius, they made up a, a new girl character for all fifty of the Prius's <laughs> features, including one for being triangular shaped. Is that true? Yes. Wow. I, I, you know, you, well, you know, you, you can't underestimate Japan's appetite for little girls. So, you know, <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, this, this whole thing is pretty, this whole sequence is pretty dire. It just yeah. goes on forever <sighs> and eats up a lot of screen time that could be better used uh, in uh, almost any other way. Yeah. So, and but luckily, the movie, I just don't get it. It, it looks like Cary Grant is a vampire. <laughs> Maybe he was. I mean, in real life, you know. Um, but luckily, then, I think this is about the time that we're getting to uh, some other characters. Yeah. That, um, are some be kind actual, of important. some important characters. That, yeah, so we have, oh yeah, we have the, the dance. Oh, wait, no, not quite, because this is where uh, Grace convinces uh, Daddy Warbucks to adopt Annie for real. Oh, okay. Uh, and yes. uh, he pushes against it, and she says, she's like, oh, come on. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I do like the part, though, where he's like, she's like, can we adopt Annie for real? And he's like, what? I, I'm, I'm a businessman. I love money, power, capitalism. I don't love children, which is a great line. <laughs> yes. Why aren't we using this more often? <laughs> <laughs> yeah but anyway next time uh next time my parents are like when are you gonna use some grandkids i'm like i'm a businessman <laughs> money power capitalism <laughs> not children and they'll be like you're not a businessman what are you talking about you don't love capitalism we follow you on facebook <laughs> yeah <laughs> i do love money and power though oh yeah well everyone loves money and power oh great name yeah. your kids money and power problem solved <laughs> uh, oh they got me there <laughs> uh but anyway so yeah so he decides he is going to adopt danny but, um, so he does. He does adapt up to Annie. Uh, Miss Hannigan doesn't want to give her up for good because that cuts into her orphan money. Um, yeah, and... that's that. She, yeah, he goes to her to uh, get her to sign the paper, and she does her best to try and seduce him. 
And he's like, you know, oh, I've got somewhere to be. Can you just sign the damn paper? Yeah. Um, this and this is, and she's doing this whole dance while she's got a dead mouse down her blouse. Oh, that's right. I forgot. The, uh, one of the orphans puts a mouse down her blouse. Um, this, this, this sequence is good because it seems that Daddy Warbucks has like blackmail material on her. Yeah. And why doesn't he use it? I don't get it. Yeah. It's, it's, he's kind of like saying, I've got these photos of you, like, uh, I guess in compromising positions. And she's kind of like, oh, all right, fine. I guess I'll sign your, your thing so you can have your orphan. It's like, all right. Um, but, um, certainly, but yeah, so actually in this whole scene, is Miss Hannigan actually trying to prevent the adoption or is she, again, just horny? And, and I, just I wants... think she is, you know, horny and money motivated because if she sleeps with a, uh, with a billionaire, then, uh, money? <laughs> I was going to say, like, this is a big step up for Mr. Bundles. Yeah. <laughs> oh, poor Mr. I mean, poor Mr. Bundles. How could he complete and compete? Yeah. Well, you know what? He just needs to uh, he just needs to shave off that uh, little crown of hair at the back and he can be the Daddy Warbucks. Uh, let's uh, I I just found something that our our friend Lindsay said where I wanted to throw this in. She said, "This would be a sacrilegious thing to say to most people older than 60. Carol Burnett is pretty bad in Annie. Not a bad singer, yeah. just one of her weakest comic performances." The Miss Hannigan character is way overplayed as a rather pathetic drunk, as opposed to the original Dorothy Loudon version, which, God, I can't recommend enough. Hmm. Well, I haven't seen uh, the original, so I, Me I neither, can't yeah. on that. Yes, we um, are not, not being Broadway fans and barely being musical fans. You know, maybe we're not the right person to be people to be uh, reviewing this movie, but uh, sorry, it's a comic strip. It's on the on theme. I, I wonder if that means that then, because Lindsay is correct that Miss Hannigan is a pretty pathetic villain. Like, she's not good at being evil. No. I, I, I mean, I love her because because she's a pathetic drunk who just wants to fuck. I think that's great, but I'm not scared of her or anything, you know? Um, even her. Is she supposed to be scary? Huh. I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I'm not really sure what it, I, I, I've, I will say that I haven't really seen I can't think of another character quite like her in, uh, in the an annals of villainy, but, <laughs> um, you know, um, I mean, but again, not even the more, her more competent accomplices are, are that scary in this though. I guess they do want to murder Annie at one point. So yes, you know. they come, they come to the conclusion that she needs to be murdered. And yeah. yes. And these, but, these accomplices we're talking about are her brother, whose name is rooster and yes. his girlfriend who is, Oh, what's, what's her name? Shit. Like Lily St. Clair or something or Lily St. Uh, oh, Lily St. Regis. Yes. Played by Bernadette Peters and Tim Curry and Tim Curry yes. is just always good in anything. So yeah. he is definitely one of the stars of this show though. I, all I can say is the first time I saw them, I was just like, Oh my God, Harley Quinn and Johnny dangerously have shown up. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much what we're watching. I mean, that's pretty much. Um, Tim Curry, of course, is uh, at his... He's, he's always a joy to watch, and he's at his best when he's playing sleaze. I mean, he yes. is just... Because he is one of those guys who, 
who's so good at it because he is like a real life sleazy guy. You know what I yeah. mean? Like you, you look f- at him and you're like, oh, mm. this guy is obviously like a, a crook who's going to take me for a ride. But God damn it. I just love him so much that, you know, I'm, I'm still going to be taken in. You're, you're right. I mean, you look at Tim Curry and you just expect that when the next time you look back, you know, just algae and moss will have grown out of every hole in his head. <laughs> yeah, he's just, you, yeah. I mean, he is, he could, he could just like, you know, he, he'd, he'd pick your pocket and you'd thank him for it. He's just, um, uh, and this, he's, how old is he in this? Like 12? He's so young. <laughs> yeah, he's, he was pretty young. It's, uh. He's now he's 74. So here he's 34. Damn. All right. Um, yeah. What a baby face. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's definitely kind of playing kind of the, it's, this is the Wadsworth, uh, Tim Curry, uh, rather than like the Pennywise Tim Curry. So, <laughs> and definitely not the, uh, Frankenfurter Tim Curry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but man, he is, um, so he's basically, play, yeah, he's the, her, he's Miss Hannigan's con artist brother. He's gotten out of the clink. And, um, apparently, uh, daddy Warbucks, when he goes to, uh, Annie and is like, I want to adopt you. Annie's kind of like, Oh no, my uh, parents are going to come back for me. So daddy Warbucks is like, okay, I will give $50,000 to anyone who can find Annie's parents. Yeah. So they, they're both seem a little disappointed that this is how it's going to be, but, uh, yeah, you know, more him than her at first, but, uh, but yeah. yeah, she's got the, so what do you think? Is this where the locket that's my family member has the other half of, is that where this comes from? Um, you know, oh, you mean if this is the uh, trope originator as TV yeah. would say, you know what? It may well be. Um, I, uh, or if not, maybe in the original comic strip. If this yeah. Oh yeah, probably. Happens. Yeah. My favorite um, of those was, do you ever read, uh, do you ever read the cowboy Wally show? Um, I've heard of it. Yeah, it's a it's a comic by uh, oh crap, what's his name? Kyle Baker. And uh, there's a scene where where uh, Cowboy Wally is doing his talk show, and his crazy former announcer starts going on a wild tirade right in front of the camera and screams, "When I was ten, my father left me. He left me the other half of the Samuel and says that my long lost twin brother has the other half, but I'll never find him. I'll never find anyone." And Cowboy Will is like, what? Hey, I've got half of an amulet too. And they put they put them together and you can see how much they resemble each other for the first time. And nah, it doesn't fit. Okay, my next yeah. guest. <laughs> I mean, it has happened in like so many things. Pretty much any time there's an orphan in a, uh, you know, in a movie, they're going to have that locket thing going on. I most recently saw it in the Tom and Jerry movie, I believe. Oh, they did that in the Tom and Jerry movie too? Oh my God. And was the, it played uh, straight? Yeah, it was the 90s Tom and Jerry movie. You know? no, not the new oh. one. <laughs> no, not the new one. The it's one not... where Tom, Tom and Jerry are completely superfluous to the actual movie, which I think is every Tom and Jerry movie now that I think about it. Yes, but they also talk and sing and become friends. Yeah, it is. It's a musical with Richard Kind as Tom and Dana Hill as Jerry. So... <laughs> Interesting choices. Dana Hill, as in uh, Marvin Baby of the Year. Yes. Wow. Um, she, um, yeah. So she is, you know, and Max Goof. Uh, so she plays Jerry. Uh, she's totally adequate as Jerry. Richard Kind is a little weird as as Tom though, because I can't hear him and not think of Mad About You. 
I, I haven't seen Mad About You, but I just remember I seeing commercials for it, and he sounded kind of like this. Yeah, that's that's him. You may know him better as as the the Malt, the brother of the Grasshopper, and uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I do know, I know it immediately. Yeah, so yeah. Richard Richard Kind has a yeah, dumb guy voice. That's him. Yeah, um, yeah. Was Tom and Jerry ever a comic? Because if so, we should talk about that movie one of these days. But, no, Tom um, and Jerry was the first cartoon created by Bill Hanna and Joe Barbera. Oh, huh. Yeah, so they were the first Hanna Barbera characters. Before they oh, had their weird, own studio. They don't seem to be they they're not Hanna Barbera now, are they? No. They seem but to be it, no, else. but it's well, I mean they're all of Hanna Barbera and Warner Brothers are all kind of property of the like Viacom or something like that now. No, uh, of course, yeah. <sighs> well, anyway, the important thing is um so uh Tim Curry and uh, Bernadette Peters and uh, we didn't mention much about Bernadette Peters, but she's basically playing uh, her character as, as you know, a gangster's mall. Yeah, know? yeah. Like you said, Harley Quinn. So, uh-huh. um, she's got that kind and, of Claudette Colbert thing going on. Yeah. What is that accent? You know, that that gangster's mall accent. Is that like I, a Chicago thing or what is that? I, I don't know. I mean, I haven't hung around enough gangster's malls. I'm not for lack I mean, of trying. I assure you. I mean, I, I don't, you know, it's one of those weird accents that it, it seems to be associated with a job rather than a location, you know, like, like a pirate voice. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's sort of like what David Cross was talking about, how, you know, there's, there's the gay voice and, you know, you can be any, any race or age and that's still, that's still kind of creams in there. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's I because basically um, Bernard Peters is doing the like, hello, Mr. J type thing, you know? Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, she's good, though. I mean, she plays it's she's she's good. She's she plays the part well. Um, but uh, so they're going to pretend to be Annie's parents. And uh, luckily, it turns out Miss Hannigan has the other half of the locket because Annie's parents died in a fire. And I guess she got all their possessions, um, which now I'm not clear if that means they died in a fire and that's why Annie is in the orphanage or like Annie. Cause Annie says that her parents promised to come and get her and bring her, get her back. So does that mean that like they did, that, they left that the she orphanage? died and then Miss Hannigan never told Annie. Yeah. Which seems weird considering Miss Hannigan seems like she would really relish the opportunity to tell Annie about that, but yeah. maybe she's not as evil as she seems, you know? Yeah. Or on the other hand, you know, which is more evil, telling her or not telling her? I mean, yeah, I would that's true. I would sweat over it. It's like, how do you tell how do you tell this this girl for whom, you know, the knowledge that her parents is coming for is the only thing that gets her through every day that uh, nobody's coming for you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's 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 a tough. Well, it's weird. I don't know what I don't know how Miss Hannigan's playing a long game here, but. Anyway, now that she's got the locket, she can uh, Rooster and uh, Saint Regis can pretend to be Annie's parents. I they they first showed up dressed up as Annie's parents, you know, just and they fooled Miss Hannigan at first. And I was like, no, no, don't do this, don't do this. Oh, thank God, they're not her real parents. <laughs> so I was like, no, no, do not do this. To all of the adopted kids watching this, don't give them that kind of false hope. <laughs> yeah, it's like, which, don't do what the Tom and Jerry movie did. Yeah, that's that's bullshit. I mean, 
adopted kids deserve to know that they are loved by the family who chose them. That there's, you know, there isn't some fairy princess mom who's coming to look for you. Yeah. So uh, they actually, um, so they show up, right? At, at uh, wait a second. Sorry. Before they show up at Warbucks Manor, there is another scene that I believe we've forgotten to talk about. Ah, yes. The visit to the White House. Okay. Yes. What the fuck is this? Where did what this is come this? from? Yeah, it's just like we're like Daddy Warbucks is like, all right, we're gonna go see the president, but he really he he he's all like, I want to see the fucking president, but Annie wants to see him, so I guess we'll take our auto gyro to see yeah. um, see the President FDR. Roosevelt, <laughs> FDR, and um, it's it's so. Yeah, and I guess I don't know who plays FDR or Eleanor Roosevelt, though the actress who plays Eleanor Roosevelt actually does look a lot like her. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, I don't know if I would say the same about FDR. It was Edward Herman who was oh best known for his portrayals of FDR on television. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. I mean, I, I sure he's get the best, you know. Um, so yeah, this is a weird thing because they basically they have a like they're having lunch and. FDR is saying like, look, we're going to make the new deal. It's going to give people dignity and like, uh, let them survive. And daddy Warbucks is like, how much is it going to cost? I hate poor people. You know, <laughs> who's going to run it. And FDR is like, I was hoping you would. And it's like, why what? FDR? Why? Like we daddy said, Warbucks run. <laughs> yeah. Like we said earlier, like you mean the man who very clearly is the, uh, the head of the business plot. You you want him to uh to run your uh your public works program? I mean that seems that's oh, the sort of thing that like you know that's the sort of thing that modern Democrats would do. Yeah. Like, yeah, we we need to reach across the aisle and let some Republicans run this shit into the ground, and then we can just shrug our shoulders and be like, "Oops, who could have seen that happening?" But the, I don't the, see the, FDR doing this. The most dangerous place to stand in Washington is between a Democrat and an opportunity to look stupid. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know, I mean, uh, I'm not, I'm no historian. You know, I don't know, I don't know much about FDR or the New Deal or history in general or anything. But um, I, I, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like it was be kind of bad to. Why would why I don't I do not feel like he is the sort of guy who'd be like, yeah, put put Daddy Warbucks in charge of this. That's more of a Herbert Hoover thing to do. Yeah, that is a... I, I feel like they didn't do a lot of research on FDR himself. At least they knew that he had a wheelchair. I was kind of wondering if maybe he was going to get up and dance with the rest of them. Oh, my God. Yeah. If they try, they're going to do the Pearl Harbor thing. Um, <laughs> oh, did, oh, did he man. walk in Pearl Harbor? I didn't see that movie. He um, There's a very strange sequence where he's giving a, a speech to, like, his... Uh, his cabinet about, you know, a, a rousing speech about the importance of America or some shit. I don't know. And he like grabs the table and kind of hoists himself to his legs. And it's like, and he's just like holding himself aloft in this. And I guess it's supposed to be a scene where it's like, Oh, it, it shows his passion that he's like struggling to stand in this. And it's, it's just, it's a little weird. I mean, and he I says, know. drop your sword. <laughs> Fucking Michael Bay, he can't get Optimus Prime right. What makes you think he can get FDR right? Yeah, there's there's also there's a great scene though in uh, in the Pearl Harbor movie where for some reason, uh, oh god, 
there is, okay, there's a scene where FDR is in like the the Rose Garden, and there is he has a yeah. a you know, the, the 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 Washington what is it the High White House Rose Garden. He's just there in the Rose Garden, like uh, with his uh, black valet who is um, uh, trimming a rose bush. And some like general comes in and delivers the news about, I guess, you know, Pearl Harbor happened or something, right? And uh, the the valet cuts a rose and, and a white rose off the bush and, and hands it to FDR very dramatically, right? And FDR <laughs> takes it. And I have no idea what this scene is supposed to signify or mean or anything, but the important thing about it is um, I was watching this in the theater with my little brother, who at that moment leaned over and said to me, like, this, this, to like, like, and said, this, this, this rose reminds me of you because it's pretty and white. <laughs> <laughs> like, like the guy was saying that to FDR. And I, I, and I lost my shit in the theater because it's just like, is that what? Because it was like, yeah, sure, maybe that's what's going on in this scene because I have no clue. It's so weird. Anyway. Because it's um, pretty and white and the bottom part of it is dead. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he improved on it, actually. He just. <laughs> Anyway, that's Pearl Harbor. That's nothing with Little Orphan Annie. They do have a musical number, and and thank and FDR does not jump up and tap dance or anything. Thank God. So, um, but um, I think what are they singing? About? Are they just singing about being happy or something? I can't remember what yeah. the song is about. Well, no, this is this is the song that everyone's supposed to remember tomorrow. And what's weird about it is that she sings it a cappella at first. Oh, that, yeah, that's, that was really weird. It, it really, it becomes especially diegetic at this point that uh, she's just singing this little song to the president. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I like it. We can market it. Yeah, tomorrow. And tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> then Eleanor gets in on it and Daddy Warbucks is like, oh, fine. I guess I'll sing. Yeah. So. And he's conducting them. He's been like, okay, bring it in. No, baritone. Okay. Yeah. You too, Eleanor. I know you can sing. All right. Now, harmony. And it's yeah, this, really this weird scene kind of... really has nothing to do with anything because yeah. the whole co- idea of uh, Daddy Warbucks running the New Deal uh, does not is never brought up again. You know, yeah, so... it's like maybe he convinced him he was a bad idea. No, maybe. Um, uh, hopefully, uh, <laughs> I feel like maybe they were just like, "Look, we need people to know it's the 1930s, so you got to have FDR up here for some reason." Uh, and. The whole the whole singing thing is it's such a weird hat hanging on the rules of a musical. It's just like, you know, I don't know how most musicals operate on the idea that people, you know, the singing is not really something they're aware that they're doing. And this one, they were absolutely yeah. aware that they were singing. It wasn't this sort of metaphorical telepathy where everybody is in on this idea. It and it become no, we're literally singing together. And it didn't, and it's not weird at all. We promise. And so I haven't seen the 2014 movie yet, but apparently they really do that a lot in the movie. There are a lot of scenes where musicals break out and people are looking around very confused. Like, is there music happening? What's going on? (laughs) People will actually look at each other like, were we just in a musical? That's funny. Well, you know, I kind of like that, but. (laughs) Now, people who are big musical fans hate that, but uh, we're not big musical fans. So, uh, yeah. Annie in the Woods. (laughs) Yeah. 
Okay, so this happens, right? And then, um, okay, so then I guess it's back to the whole bit with uh, Annie's parents, right? Yeah, they've so, had 800 uh, fake couples come claim to be her parents, but they know that none of them are real because none of them had the locket. Nobody knew anything about it. And now, finally, we get Rooster and uh, Cogburn <laughs> dressed up as her parents, <laughs> and they've got the... They've got the uh, the amulet, the other half of the uh, of the locket, and they and Annie is like, wait, I was just getting used to the idea of becoming part of uh, part of the uh, Warbucks family. So she's like, but no, these are my real parents. I guess I'd better go with them. And now it becomes yeah. a whole, you know, what do I, you know, I this is exactly what I wanted, but it's not what I want anymore, which is again something they really could have and could have uh, explored more in the meta text of the story but this is not about the text of the story it's about putting on dance numbers yeah they needed they they look they needed to devote time to that wonderful song about the movies so yeah um but uh so so um annie basically uh is gonna go with uh Go with her fake uh, parents. Her fake Meanwhile, parents. a bunch of her, a bunch of the other orphans overheard this plan as the through the pipes, through the air vents, as as Miss Hannigan and her evil brother were rummaging through the kids' stuff, trying to find the other half of the locket that she'd been hanging on to all this time, and they try to stop them, and the adults lock them in a closet, and there's only like seven kids at this point. I wonder what happened to all the others. Yeah, I guess they were like, look, if we have like two dozen orphans, it's it's going to get too unwieldy. So we'll just we'll just yeah, the say there's just the rest of it, a huge run on orphans. <laughs> well, no wonder Miss Hannigan needs to uh, get that money. She's, her <laughs> whole business is falling apart. Because um, <laughs> somebody just drove up with a bat with a bus and was like, you should see how many orphans this baby can fit. Yeah, and they were just like, just like, well, just load them up, and they just like scooped a bunch of orphans out with those big, those big ladles they use for confection bins. <laughs> oh. But anyway, the remaining orphans are on their way to warn Annie about uh, the yes. truth, but they're too late, and they arrive uh, a little late. But they tell Daddy Warbucks, and Daddy Warbucks says, "Leaping lizards," and. When he said that, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's right." Annie, Annie does say that, doesn't she? Yeah, Did she say it she, in this movie. She said it before. Yeah, she said it when, when. Uh, oh, damn it! I just gotta keep checking these names. Uh, Grace, when Grace Ms. said, yeah. said uh, "We want to take Annie," she, Annie said, "Leaping lizards," and uh, Miss Hannigan goes, "Leaping lizards," and she was right to do so because that was so forced. I remember that, but she never said it in front of Daddy Warbucks, did she? At least not that uh, I can remember. Um, you know, probably during a song. I don't know. Mm. All right. Well, I may, or maybe it just is a coincidence and Daddy Warbucks happens to say that exact same phrase himself. And yeah. Whatever. Anyway, he's got to. Uh, so the plan is uh, Rooster and Miss Hannigan and uh, the other one are going to drown Annie in the river and take the money. And yes, um, the money, by the way, is a check that Mr. Mr. Warbucks has written to the parents of Annie and called them Mr. and Mrs. Mudge. 
So it's like, how are you going to cash this check? Are you going to be able to produce ID proving that you are the mudges? <laughs> Maybe back in those, you just take it to the sweet shop. Right. <laughs> be like, yeah, yeah, give me, give me my $50,000 from the cash register. Yeah. Maybe they just sign it with an X. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, people didn't used to be it? as, uh, people didn't used to be as literate as they are now. Yeah, that's true. I feel like um, that. What now? If I listen now, now I've never tried to, um, you know, impersonate an orphan's parents in order to scam fifty thousand dollars. But if yeah. I were to do that, I think it would go a little bit like this. Um, the first thing I would do is once I got the money. Well, first I would do is I would I would cash it right. I would I would cash the money. And then once I have the money, I or I would throw Annie in the river. I would not unmask and reveal myself to be Miss Hannigan before throwing Annie in the river. I guess I, the I, uh, they had to uh, let her in the car because otherwise she didn't trust them to not take off without her. But I mean, they could have just run her over in the car. Yeah, I mean that's true. They at that point they really. There doesn't seem to be a lot of honor among thieves with these three, so... No. Um, or she could have just gotten in the car and been like, yeah, I'm just some blind woman who jumped in the car, not going to take <laughs> off my disguise. Because Annie doesn't really seem to figure out what's going on, to be honest. Yeah. she's. It takes her a while and, until until they say, by the way, we're going to drown you or something like that. Yeah, and then she's like, I really got to pee. And then, all right, fine, we'll stop so you can pee. And it's like, why are you stopping so you can pee? You're going to drown her in like 10 minutes. I mean, seriously. Just we're gonna have fifty thousand dollars. We can buy new pants. Take a shit if you need to. Yeah, seriously. I guess like Brewster was like, oh, you were, you know how it is when you get orphan pee in the seats. You never get the smell out. <laughs> and believe me, I know. This isn't my first yeah. orphan heist. Oh yeah, it just got that weird ammonia smell. Oh, it's terrible. Horse um, and cats. But yeah. So they um they do they she goes to pee but then uh, Annie kicks Brewster sorry Rooster and steals the check and rips it up and runs away. Yeah. Oh, she should have uh, she should have thrown it into a fire so that uh, Rooster could have gone burn a debt. <laughs> wah wah wah. <laughs> well, so I guess their plan is thwarted. There's no money now, or they. Just so, or are they going to take Annie back to Daddy Warbucks and try and get another check, or are they just mad and and just going to going to fuck her up because they're pissed at this point? They're not really sure. The um, answer is the second one. But, uh, Rooster is just like, I'm going to kill her, I mean, and he you know, chases her up a split bridge. Is that the Brooklyn Bridge? I would assume. I mean, I don't. I don't does the Brooklyn Bridge do that? I don't. I, I don't, really I don't know. know. I've never been to the Brooklyn Bridge. Well, and so I've bought it a few times, but uh, <laughs> really, for scrap How metal. Much does it cost? <laughs> <laughs> Only five dollars for so much scrap metal. Wow. Really? Wow. Wait, so can, can I buy some of that off you? <laughs> well, it depends. Do you like money and capitalism? <laughs> I. You, you know what? Almost as much as I love power. <laughs> also sandy is here and he's the one who brings them to the girl no he brings the actually no sandy doesn't really serve any purpose he kind of disappeared in the second half of the movie oh yeah um but punjab comes in 
Yeah, Punjab comes in, and just as Annie is dangling from the the split bridge that she was about, she was trying to escape from uh, Rooster from, and he's you know stomping on her feet like uh, they don't make them like they used to, eh, Batsy? And uh, this is where I was really hoping Punjab would make her levitate. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of you know Chekhov's gun earlier in the movie, but yeah, and he doesn't. Uh... He just grabs her. Yeah, he uses his turban. He unfurls his turban and kind of uses it to tie himself to the helicopter so he can lower himself down to grab her. And yeah, that's it. He, he rescued her. Uh, and I guess I don't. I don't know. That, is that it? Is that the end of the movie? Yeah, that's pretty much the end of the movie. I mean, he grabs her, and meanwhile, uh, Rooster goes down the railroad tracks like a water slide. Ow! Yep. Uh, he falls in like one of those big, like old timey uh, fireman um, things. Yeah. That they use yeah. The ones that like, people. yeah. The ones that like Ren and Stimpy used to catch people. And uh, yeah. Yeah. So then um, we cut pretty much straight from there to the song from the fabulous funnies about how we got each other. Yeah. And, um, and they're dancing. I think daddy Warwick's and Annie are dancing. Um, Grace, uh, I guess, and Daddy Warwick's are now an item, maybe? Yeah, they kiss kind of out of nowhere. I don't know. Yeah. Also, Miss Hannigan is there in the happy ending, being led around on an elephant by Punjab. What did she do to earn this, besides saying, I didn't want you to kill her? Wait, so she's on an, she's on an elephant? Like, Yeah, she's, she's riding just... an elephant as part of, part of the celebration. Hmm. Well, Maybe it's because uh... Annie wanted to invite all of her orphan friends to this, too. Yeah, all the orphans are there. They're all dressed nice. I thought the Daddy Warbucks had adopted them all, or are they all still at the orphanage? I'm really not sure what's going I'm on. I'm guessing. With that. I'm guessing they're still at the orphanage, but maybe he's, uh, you know, maybe the he's taking more of a leadership role in how the orphanage is run from now on. I don't know. This is all speculation. We just know that they're dressed nice now. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it would be nice because otherwise it's kind of fucked up. You know? Yeah. Well, maybe this big party is actually a, you know, kind of a, you know, a adopt a kid day. Come on in and get two orphans. Oh, you know, uh, that would be good if that would be nice if they'd establish that. Um, Again, but yeah, so speculation. That's, that's the end of the movie. And that, that's Annie. It's like, doesn't Hannigan at least have fraud charges pending? Uh, she probably turned state's evidence against Rooster. That's that's probably it. You're probably right. Okay. She was so, all like, "Oh no, it was, he was. I was didn't want to do it at all. They made me. They made, <laughs> they, made they made me go along with it." Um, yeah. So uh, that that's Annie. Um, that's that's our Annie. Here is where we so, leave our <clears throat> Annie for now. So uh, I guess what do you what do you think of Annie? What was what was uh, your takeaway from Annie? Uh, again, this is one of those things that I had pretty much no interest in seeing as a kid and sitting here and watching it. My mom was, uh, at, at, in another room and she said, have you finished it? Great. You never have to watch it again. <laughs> so your mom's not an Annie fan. Your no, mom, your mom's not. not an Annie maniac. <laughs> uh, Annie, I don't have a problem with the property. I mean, it's nice that something from 1924 is still going on. Not that it has that many fans, apart from this particular uh, musical and not even this specific rendition of this particular musical. Uh, yeah. 
I don't know. I feel um, like I feel like we were oversold on Annie in the eighties. We were told that it was a bigger deal than it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've actually thought it because, like I said, I thought this was a huge thing. And watching it, I was mostly I didn't hate it. Like, but I didn't. Real, I was kind of underwhelmed. I didn't really have any feelings towards this. It was just I am like nonplussed. Well, yeah, it's like, well, this is two hours, and it's it's gonna end eventually. But I don't know. It's it's weird because I think the um, I think the strength. It's mostly the strength of the actors that makes it bearable. Because yeah, like, like we said, they're all very they're all very competent. Um, they're they're kind of fun to watch. Uh, I, Miss Hannigan is, you know, a joy. Tim Curry's a joy. Um, you know, Albert Finney is a very good Daddy Warbucks. Um, Jeffrey Holder is, you know, sorely underused. Pretty, yeah, he's underused, but you know, a, a, a very compelling screen presence when he's when he's there. And you know, even Bernard Peters, who's you know, kind of playing a stock character, um, is is you know, fun. If so, you can do a stock um, character well, it becomes your own. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I mean, I think that's what makes this bearable, but there's, but yeah, there's really no reason to ever revisit it. Um, mm. And I certainly won't, especially considering that this that Hulu makes you pay four bucks for it. Yeah, What's seriously. God, I, I mean, did I, yeah, I didn't even mention how much trouble I went to to watch this. I had to sign up for the free trial of Hulu and then I set, I set it up on my uh, Apple TV that I got for my birthday. Thanks, Mom. And it's like, oh no, this isn't part of your Hulu plan. You have to have the stars option. I was like, okay. Uh, so I signed up I for the seven day trial of stars and, ugh. Just yeah, to watch Annie. I feel like, I mean, because that's the thing with all these streaming services. They're always like, oh, yeah, hey, we have everything you could possibly ever want to watch right here. But only the garbage. If there's anything that you actually desire to see, that always costs extra. And I feel like, I feel like it's, um, it's, it's kind of insulting of all things like Annie, really? You're going to charge for this? Uh... I feel I feel like some network executive over there was like, Annie, yeah, I remember that being like a huge thing in the 80s. People really want to see that. And it's like, I don't think they do. <laughs> like like us, I think that those executives have been oversold on Annie. So um, so you're saying that Annie is a grift. Annie's a swindle. Just like, yeah, just like Rooster. Oh my God, do you think, yeah, do you think Roos, Rooster and Lily St. Regis got the rights to Annie? <laughs> that's right they're they 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 took us for a ride yeah they dressed up as the producers and were like yes this is our movie we'll be taking the rights now <laughs> uh <clears throat> there is one last thing that i that i will mention about this um, huh? that's a little unrelated but um i was curious about our our actress who plays annie eileen mm -hmm. quinn because mm -hmm. uh, i was like has she ever done anything else um, well, I, I decided to check it out and, you know, she's been in a couple things, but, um, uh, she, she mostly, um, decided to, when she, when she, uh, re went to college, she pretty much decided to, to leave acting behind and concentrate on other things. So, so her filmography is, is rather short, but one thing that she did do is a film that I had seen as a child and completely forgotten about. But as soon as I saw it on her IMDb, I was like, oh, shit, <laughs> that. And it is a 1986 
Israeli made-for-TV film called The Frog Prince. Oh, my God. Have, Do you know have this I thing? Seen, have I seen clips from this on your awful crap videos? Very likely. Uh, because this is one of those things where, you know, when you make a live action version of a fairy tale for kids and you're like, okay, look, there's some sort of monster or animal in this. Um, clearly we're not going to like have an animatronic or a puppet. We're just going to have a person wearing like a, a costume kind of like from cats. Yeah. And, and the, the sort of thing that all children hate, but all like productions do. Um, yes. Like so, uh, like Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. That would be another one of those. Yes, exactly. So uh, anyway, I'm gonna. I'll just post right here in the uh, in the chat. You can see what the Frog Prince actually looked like in that production. He's. He looks like oh 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 <laughs> oh. Is that is that his real mouth? Is is that a <laughs> puppet mouth or does his does it is it attached to his real lips? Um, the only part of his mouth that opens is the real mouth in the middle. So so his mouth extends, but it doesn't move. I see what you mean about cats. Yeah. This really looks like if they made (laughs) like Aristophanes is the frogs. Yeah. I will say it's better frog makeup than Mr. Toad from the Zippy musical. Yeah, I mean, they at least tried to make him look yeah. something like a frog, as opposed to just putting a weird blob foam <laughs> thing around his head. Um, I mean, he kind of looks like if if um, Jim Carrey's Grinch fucked a sleaze stack, but I mean, <laughs> you know, whatever. I mean, that's what a frog looks like, so... Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, I just saw that and I was like, oh my god. Um, but yeah, so Eileen Quinn plays uh, the princess in this. And um, it turns out that uh, because they really had to pad this thing out, the princess has an evil stepsister in this version who is played by a young Helen Hunt. Um, Oh. Yeah. So other than that, every other person in this is some Israeli actor that I've never heard of. But um, yeah, anyway, it's a thing. I just remember seeing this as a kid and being like, oh, my God, all the memories. But yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that Helen Hunt used to be in the credit business. Well, you mean, uh, as in, yeah. as in, yeah. If you wanted credit, they told they would tell you to go a hell and hunt for it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that's like a like a a sign they would hang up in bars. <laughs> Is it really? I've never heard that one. <laughs> That was that was my dad said that when it's like every time we have a movie with Helen Hunt in it, <laughs> and I always confuse Helen Hunt with Holly Hunter, but no, totally, totally yeah, different people. I mean, I mean, same. The names are the names are kind of similar. Besides, and you know their friends both call them Double H, so you know. oh, do they? Yeah, you know when they were, that's because they used to ride the range together. They were cow rustlers. Oh yeah, um, and they had the same and they had the same brand. <sighs> exactly. Anyway, um, so Annie, uh, anything we should say about Annie before we uh, head off? Yeah, Annie, uh, we will probably be revisiting Annie because there is more Annie stuff to look at. Apparently there's an Annie Christmas special that completely whizzed by us. And it's like, yeah, an Annie, an animated Annie Christmas special. I think it's the only time she's ever been in animation. So, uh, wow. All right. Well, we'll we'll definitely be checking that out. Um, Okay. Meantime. We will see you all tomorrow. It's 
only a hairball away. <laughs> that dumb song gives me hairballs. Give me my 10%. Let me out of this strip. Don't really know why. <laughs>